On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Southern storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. We're always thankful for your participation on the Facebook page and for all the downloads of the podcast. With me always is Jason. What's going on, man? Hey, Brian. I am glad to be here. I am doing wonderfully. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's been up? Uh, nothing. Um, I can see your wife, by the way. Um, <laughs> is that a mirror? What did I see? Oh, that's funny. Um, no, I think everything, everything is going pretty well. Um, uh, geez, over the weekend, we had my son's high school graduation party, then about 100,000 other graduation parties to go to of all his friends and people who've grown up with us. It was uh, hot. It was good. It was fun to be out there. Um, and, you, and you guys, speaking of hot, it's hot was in North Dakota. You guys canceled your camping trip? Yeah, we were going to go camping. And it's just like, no, it's just too hot, like way too hot to be out there in a tent and be there with the dog. So we just kind of stayed in and Hung out, laid low. It was a good time. It would have been miserable to camp in that type of weather. Yeah. I mean, if you're truly camping, like tent camping, you can't sweat. do it. Yeah. You'll never sleep. <laughs> I was uh, seeing a lot of activity on the, you know, uh, Stay Tall chat group about another uh, gig with the Americans. We got some crazy set lists. Those guys are impressive as hell. Not only do they give you a really good um, experience, like musically, their songs, they do crow stuff and not just like the stuff that a casual fan knows, like deep cuts. They do Rich Robinson solo stuff. They do Magpie stuff. They do um, Tricker Hippie. They do cover. Like, it's unbelievable. Those guys have, I think they said they have almost seven hours worth of music they they can play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so there was something else, and, and I'm not going to entertain this. I'm going to be more poke fun at it, but there were some little rumblings again about, ooh, Gorman's coming back. Like the ticket sales for some of the shows had gone up or something. <laughs> like, where does this come from? I think it comes from a lot of people hoping, not from anybody related to the bands whatsoever, right? And they picked up new drummer Brian 
Griffin, who I guess yeah. is a studio or session or something guy. Well, he's the not dog not, not the dog from <laughs> Family Guy. We we clarified that, right? He's not the dog from Family Guy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I listened to a little bit of stuff, and he seems like a good drummer. But it's a drummer, so you know, good on him. It's it's kind of they're in a tough spot now, where you've got now three kind of Crow's classic guys, of course, with Chris and Rich, but now with Spin. But then you've got guitar player from the Earthless. You got this drummer guy, and I'm not sure who's playing keys with them. Hey, Joe Robineau. Oh, that's right. Right. So it's like it's a weird, weird mix. But going back to your comment about Gorman, I, you know, from us speaking to him, um, I, he likes Trigger Hippie. I don't I don't see him going back. Yeah. And I'm okay with I. that. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's the same thing that people used to go, you know, be talking about Mark Ford, you know, during the oddly freed years. Mark's coming back, Mark's coming back, and Mark Ford has gotten all this, which is cool. I mean, it's understandable and stuff, but, you know, it's just like sometimes, you know, people, maybe their lives are a little bit too wrapped into it. And I, I don't mean that to criticize, but it's just an observation, you know. I mean, it is what it is. Yep, for sure. And before we talk a little bit about our band that's coming on that we're going to speak to and the location again, a, a mm-hmm. hot spot for us, um, there's this past couple of days, there have been two albums that had their anniversaries that I've listened to that I want to throw out there. One, um, Purple um, came out from Stone Temple Pilots a couple of days ago. I listened to that album again. I don't know if you're a big STP fan. Yeah. I liked them. That's a really, that's a good album. That's mm-hmm. a, I forgot how good that album actually was. And then the first Velvet Revolver album, Contraband, right. also the yeah. anniversary, which I checked out. And that's also a solid album. I didn't mean to be all over uh, Scott Weiland's ca- um, catalog, but it just so happened to be those those albums. Yeah. Yeah. So I checked them out Ironically. and I really enjoyed them again. Yeah, I dug Velvet Revolver a lot, man. They both their records. Two, yeah, two really CD. solid records, dude. And Slash just getting to do whatever Slash wants to do. And I, I, I like it. Yeah, totally. You know, and I think I had made a comparison that, that um, the Magpie salute to the Black Crows was like, like Velvet Revolver to Guns N' Roses is for sure almost <laughs> it's close and then even staying in that the, the Guns N' Roses vein but you posted over the weekend is the uh, straddling the Juju Hounds clip on our our uh, our page didn't you our Facebook page yeah who uh, I can't was that was that you Southern posted or somebody else I, well somebody posted it and I shared it Which, I that's it a solid good. album too that's really good like 70s oh. kind of rock and roll yeah Izzy's really good Izzy's really good. All his solo stuff is worth checking out. And he and he, he was one of the chief songwriters of that first album. And I think that's why when you listen to Appetite versus some of the other stuff, it doesn't quite sound the same. I know they evolved a little bit, but I think Izzy was a key place in that original, that kind of punky, uh, you know, metal sound that mm-hmm. all of us really like on that first album. Right, right. Well, let's get into uh, who our guest is this week. Once again, you mentioned uh, we're returning to a place that we like to be at. You know, uh, you know, we're not there physically, but we wish we were sometimes. That'd be Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, tell the folks who we got to talk to. Yeah, there's a as a, a really cool rock band that just released a full length um, LP on May 24th. Mojo Thunder out of Lexington, Kentucky. We have uh, Bryson Willoughby who plays guitars and Andrew Brockman who plays. 
Bass uh, joining us to talk a little bit about the band and what's going on in Kentucky and the Lexington area particularly. And, you know, they just confirmed everything that we already know about, you know, how cool that area is. And they talk about their, you know, less than seven degrees of separation from Blackstone Cherry and the Headhunters and, and, uh, you know, Otis, they know, they know Otis. Boone from Otis and Steve yeah. from Otis and I know, they know the Josephines and Kiss Kiss Bang and all these other really great bands. We, we, you know, some more people from Kentucky that we can get on the show. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Tail Dragger again, a band that's been around a long time from Lexington. So yeah, it was just all, all great. And I dig great. this album. It has a heavy rock, Southern rock, blues rock feel to it. And it's just definitely a little bit of a throwback. You hear some ACDC, you hear some Crows, you hear some, a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, Rolling Stones perhaps and, and stuff. So I, I, I really like it a lot. I really like it a lot. And I, you know, I think people should check them out. And I think everyone's going to enjoy checking out uh, our interview with the guys from Mojo Thunder. This, uh, the guest segment this week on the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Always throw it over to Jason to tell the listeners who our guests are this week. Thank you, Brian. It is our pleasure this week to have the band or members of the band Mojo Thunder out of Lexington, Kentucky. We have Mr. Bryson Willoughby, Mr. Andrew Brockman. How you doing, guys? Doing well, man. How are you? Great. We're doing well. Brian and I are doing well. Thanks for making the time on this muggy evening down there in Kentucky for you guys to chat with us a little bit. No problem. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thank Appreciate you so it. much. Thank you so much. Well, we we get right into it, just asking you guys each, like, how, you know, how did you start, you know, how did you get into music? And then where did you guys meet and how does the band start? Uh, uh, personally, I started playing guitar when I was uh, 12. And uh, I kind of, I come from like a, a, a music family. Um, you know, my uncle spent like some time in Nashville, like trying to trying to make it. My grandfather played, and um, and my dad he doesn't play music. But he's like, I think owns every album known to man and passed on. Music that. fan, yeah, big time. Like it was kind of like everything from like Hank Senior to Otis Redding, like all the way like all the seventies rock bands, the blues guys. So he had a very very well rounded taste, and I kind of got to experience those records for that reason. But anyways. Yeah. Got me in the guitar. Your uncle was he a session guy or was he doing bands and bands? No, he was a singer. He uh like he like kind of had like a little bit of mild success. He won like this like a national singing contest, and he had a he had a video that uh that went out for a bit, and then um and then so he moved down to Nashville to kind of pursue that full time. But um like he ended up having like a residency at a place called Gillies uh, back in the day, which I've 
like I want to say it was somewhere around Broadway. It was kind of like, you know, one of those, like where they like, you know, really, really make you hustle and play all the time. But, but he enjoyed it. He had a good time playing. Is that your dad's brother? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Randy Willoughby. Randy Willoughby. All right. We'll, we'll have to check that out and see what we can find on the internet where nothing is ever lost. Yeah, that's out there. <laughs> well, Andrew, how about you? How did you get started with music? Uh, well, uh, most of my, my brother and my father were uh, both drummers. So, like, uh, kind of fell in love with the bass immediately because it was able for me to play with both of them. They were both really good at, like, drumming and stuff. I started about in, like, middle school, I guess around 12, 13 area. But uh, I kind of fell in love with just playing with them. My dad was all about, like, Eric Clapton, and my mom was, like, a huge Elton John fan. So those were kind of, like, the two home bases I kind of started out and kind of branched everywhere from there, really. Well, they, you just learned to play bass so you could stay in the rhythm section with your dad and your brother. Oh, yeah, because, you know, this goes kind of hand in hand, right? <laughs> anybody else from the family in the band uh no my mom might be able to play tambourine but i don't think she ever really gave it a shot <laughs> so at what point do you guys cross paths and like what talk about that and then when the band was just like a, a gleam in your eye to when it actually started becoming mojo thunder we um well none of us are actually from Lexington. i think that's like another uh, important distinction but we're all like transplants from smaller counties so um zach is from macquarie county kentucky and i'm from Pulaski county kentucky which was like they're like 30 minutes apart but me and zach never knew one another so we met in lexington and just started jamming at this studio called nitro sonic and then a mutual friend of ours introduced us to andrew and then he joined and we kind of all like basically had that like the same record collection you know like we were like kind of the guys in Lexington who still liked the stones and thought that stuff was cool and then um we found uh, we found sean the singer um like on on social media like there's like cruising facebook found him and we went to go see him play with like he has he had like a three-piece blues band he was in and uh, he was wearing bell bottoms and like this big flowery shirt and we were like okay that's the guy <laughs> now is he your original singer or is he kind of the second guy he's the second guy yeah okay. we, we played with uh we played with the dude for a little while and it was just more um it was like kind of got like a little more hard rock than like we like really wanted to because um you know like i said we started because like the faces and the rolling stones and you know and of course like and like some of those like other, you know like tail dragger and like all those like kind of like like lexington groups that we're like killing it back in the day and we just kind of wanted to go more in that direction. I think Sean was um, a little more into that than the last guy was. So how did, how did you guys end up in Lexington? I guess you guys weren't originally from there. You're from different counties. Like what brought you guys to Lexington? Uh, opportunity really like college, college for me, was the reason. Um, did you go to UK? I went to, uh, eventually. Yeah. Okay. But I started off, I started at the community college, uh, there in Lexington. And, uh, but yeah, that was kind of my entire reason for going that. And like, you know, I mean, I love Pulaski County. Like I have nothing wrong with the, like, you know, smaller mm-hmm. areas, but you know, as far as a career and everything like that, you know, it was, especially in 08 with everything going on, it was like, you kind of had to go to a city to get some opportunity 
Andrew, so you were, you came to basically both Bryson, you and Andrew came to Kentucky for employment opportunities. Bryson, you were, you came eventually to UK, University of Kentucky, which is in Lexington, for those of you listening who don't possibly know that, which I find that hard to believe. And then Andrew came in from another, was it a smaller county, Andrew? Um, it was Nicholasville, Kentucky. Uh, so it was like right outside Lexington. So yep. like my whole childhood, like if we got to go to Lexington, it was kind of like a treat. It meant like we could go to like Chili's or like a movie theater. But right. uh, kind of like uh, everyone in my hometown kind of dreams of going there, even though it's like only like 40 minutes away, 30 minutes away from, from Lexington. So opportunity for employment, but also an opportunity to pursue your dream of being in a rock band. Absolutely. I mean, like Bryson was saying, this is definitely a lot harder in a smaller county. I think not only to like find gigs, but the pick of the litter is a little bit smaller as well, as opposed to, I don't know, which it's kind of funny to even say Lexington's a city after we've played some of these other places, but it definitely was a city to me growing up, you know. It's a nice city. I've been to Lexington many times. It's very beautiful. It's horse country there. It's, you know, a couple of cool places to, to listen to some music or go to eat. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so, Bryson, you were mentioning that you caught up with a couple of these guys in a recording studio. Uh, what recording studio was that again? Uh, Barrack Recording Studio in Glasgow, Kentucky. Now, were you recording there? Were you working there? What was going on? Uh, we were recording there, like the all the, like the, we were doing the Mojo record there gotcha okay all right and brian glasgow is that's where um our buddies from kentucky headhunters and otis and also uh blackstone cherry are from correct yeah and that's where my next question is like what when did you guys or how well do you know those guys what's the level of friendship there and did it what did it start back then would it you know like when you're you're working in that studio there like how often do you come across those guys or how much does that play in to you know you guys creating your band and whatnot um well as far as like the blackstone blackstone cherry cats like um before like officially meeting them as like as musicians i met all those guys like way way back in the day when i was like 14 or something because like we were but, you know, huge fans of theirs and like, you know, it was like young kids. We thought that was awesome that there was like a rock band from Kentucky that was like kind of a little more tangible, you know, like they'd actually talk to you. They weren't like the big rock star types. But uh, we just met Chris um, like last year, like doing some recording with him for like uh, some future stuff. And um, I can't remember. I think it was the I don't know if you guys know, like Johnny from Tail Dragger and like like we've but, heard about uh, the band okay yeah so well they're uh um you know they're like a little bit older than us but they were the ones that turned us on to otis and so that's how we met like steve jewel and boone and um and we like we hit it off with those guys like like super super quick so we've done a few shows with them and i've always like kind of like kept up with steve like and uh that's kind of their album eyes of the sun i mean we ended up going to barracks because we liked the way that album sounded so much and so that's where we headed down there. But as far as at barracks, um, there was, you know, none of the Blackstone Cherry guys ever came in and nobody from Otis ever came in while we were recording. But um, uh, Richard stopped by once with TJ and TJ ended up putting on some organ parts on uh, Blackbird on it. And so TJ was, from the Georgia Thunderbolts. Yes. Yeah. TJ, yeah. TJ Lyle. Yep. And just, and that was the first time you'd met TJ. He just came through with Richard and, He's like, hey, man, I, you know, I'm going to lay some keys for you. How'd that come about? 
Yeah, pretty much. So it was like, um, we, of course, you know, Sean plays uh, most of the organ parts on that record. And then me and Sean, because like neither one of us are like terribly good at it. We have this like four-handed keyboard player, you know, where somebody controls the waiver and somebody yeah. does that. But uh, Dave, the the owner of the studio there at Barracks, he, uh, he was telling us that he knew TJ, said he was really well and said that he was like, happened to be down there with Richard for some reason. So he texted Richard and then they both swung by and then pretty much within like five minutes, it was like, Hey, how you doing? Like kind of exchange pleasantries. And then he was bam on the organs and, and he can do it with two hands instead of four. So that was really nice. Did you know the, uh, any of the guys in the headhunters before then, or is that the first time you met Richard or? That was the, well, that was the first time I met Richard on that level. The, uh, I think when I was, I think it was 12. It was probably the first concert I ever went to in Somerset was the Kentucky Headhunters opening up for the Charlie Daniels band. Right on. So and then I had watched, I think I went to Edmonton to watch um, Blackstone Cherry and the Kentucky Headhunters. Like I've seen them on different bills like a few years later. So I've, I've met all of them, you know, just as far as like, you know, like the meet and greet things or like, mm-hmm. you know, you know say, Hey, enjoyed the show and kind of like get out of there. But like, at meeting him on that level, yeah, that was the first time. What in which recording was that? Like, what have, what have you done so far before uh, the new record that we'll get into here in a bit? Um, before hymns, we've done an EP at Barracks uh, called Loose Lips. So that was kind of like our our first thing, and we we really rushed that one. Truthfully, like in retrospect, I wish we'd have spent like a, a little more time on it. But I mean, it, it is what it is now. So I'm kind of happy that that sort of like experimental thing exists out there. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think we've done that. It's like five songs in like, like three days or something and like mixed it and done all of it in that time period too. So it was very rushed. And then, and then we done hymns after that. Well, let's get into the new record tell us, tell the listeners what it's called. And let's talk about like, once again, when it was just a gleam in your eye to the whole, start recording it and in the studio and it's released. Let's, do the whole deep dive. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, the album's called Hymns from the Electric Church. And uh, the Electric Church part is a, a nod back to like Jimi Hendrix when he had his band. Yeah, I think he was uh, touring with a group that was called the Electric Church at one time. But uh, um, honestly, kind of like the, honestly, like sort of like hippie, cheesy way, we kind of wanted something that was like reflected, uh, you know, like something like positive. So it was like Electric Church, just me and like just kind of enjoy life. And then you know, the hymns from it far as like, this is, you know, just sort of, it's like everybody's sort of this universal congregation. And, you know, this is just a, a good way for everyone to enjoy things together. So it's not like, you know, there's obviously like no negative connotation with the religion in it or anything. Well, it's the church of rock and roll, right? I mean, you could be, you could be talking all about that. Yeah. We're a little more universalist in our approach. So, you know, <laughs> we go out through the doors. <laughs> I hear I hear you're on that. So Andrew, so when did you guys first go in the recording studio to start the, the process? Uh, I don't remember the date. I'm sure Bryson does. I'm I'm pretty bad with dates, uh, to be honest. But uh, I mean, it was kind of funny. We, we spent a little bit of time recording like a portion of it. And then uh, we, we had to wait until we had a little bit more money to go back. And I think we, when the STEMI, the stimulus came around, we all kind of used that money to, to put towards this and kind of finish it out. It's kind of funny. And uh, all my friends are out here getting like cool pairs of shoes and stuff. But uh, I've got something way cooler, I feel like, out of the, <laughs> out of the little stimulus checks we got. 
I would agree. I would agree. So how long did it take you guys to, to get the album fully recorded? I think we done, I think like all said and done, we done 14 days, but spread across probably like a year and a half. It's like Andrew was saying, we would basically go play enough shows and like, you know, get the money, then go back into the studio for a few days and then do that. And then COVID, you know, happened, you know, the pandemic that shut everything down. I'm sure you guys remember it. Oh, what was that again? Um, I sort of vaguely recall that. Yeah, you know, that, that, that little bump in the road for everybody. But anyways, when that happened, that was kind of like, we were like, well, you know, let's just, let's finish up this record. Cause obviously, you know, like no one's, you know, no one's touring for like, you know, any, uh, for the, for the foreseeable future. So, um, we kind of like narrowed down sort of what we want to do with those recordings and then finish it out. And like Andrew said, when our stimulus checks came in, we were just like, well, let's, you know, roll that into this. And I think the like last little bit, we spent like four days finishing everything up. And that was like, you know, putting on like the little odd and end stuff. So it's like, we had like most of the songs finished, but we wanted to go in and put like the percussion and like the keyboard parts and, you know, just those like light little touches to make it a little nicer. Yep. Going back and had a little different instrument tracking on it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I played a, I played a talk box on this record and done a, like a and that was on, uh, God, what song was that? Hold on. Let me put up your song. What song was the talk box on? Uh, Untitled number 69. There you go. Yep. Untitled number 69. Is that your first experience with a talk box? Yeah, it was. It was the first time I ever used one. Um, yeah, because I think it's actually, it's not even mine. It's Andrew's. He had it. And then um, there was like a little bit of a thing with like, if he gave it to me, like I wasn't supposed to like use it right off and put it on the record. It was like, you know, let's save it from when you know how to use it. And then I think it was like a, I think everybody had like a, a few like diet millers and we ended up giving it a shot. <laughs> it, was, it ended up being okay. But <laughs> I think the big question is what's a bass player doing with a talk box? Oh, that was a good question. <laughs> I mean, I haven't you wondered what a bass talks like? <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I don't think I've ever heard that on a recording before, you know, but if you could point out it's a, a song I can listen to, that would be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not used very often, probably for a reason. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty weird sound for sure. <laughs> but maybe used the right way. I don't know. Well, this album got nine tracks on it and it was just released. Uh, we're, we're doing this recording on, uh, on June 8th, but you guys released the album on May 24th, nine songs, about 41 minutes. Like, did you guys have the songs written, ready to go, all shined up prior to going in the recording studio, or did you guys have to kind of finish some stuff off when you when you got there? They they were pretty much finished. Um, I think for the most part, like there was there was like a little like there's a, a few of them where we'd had like some you know like some odd and end stuff. You know, for example, like maybe we should make this part more interesting. Like after listening to it, and then um, there's a track on the record called called Battle On, and at the very very end of that song it kind of goes in this like like slow blues jam and that was all improv because i remember uh nice. i remember telling sean like i was like like hey like don't tell the other guys i kind of just want to do like something at the end of this and sort of see how everyone reacts to it and so like we kind of at least get one like truly truly live moment of like you know whatever on it and but yeah it fades out 
So on Jack's Axe, when I listen to it, it's got a little bit of um, uh, a hint of, or of ACDC to it almost. Like, mm-hmm. are, are you guys ACDC fans? Was that intentional? Am I just hearing things? Like, tell me a little bit about that song. Uh, well, huge, huge ACDC fans, first of all. And we're not like, I'm, or at least me personally, I won't speak for everyone else, but like Bon Scott versus Brian Johnson. Like, I don't care. I love them both. Like, you know, through and through, I think they're both great. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what that like riff was like for me on guitar. Like it's as, I guess, as blatant as an ACD, ACDC ripoff uh, I could do without like, you know, getting in copyright infringement territory. But, but yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. I was like, I want to write a song that sounds like ACDC. So it, it's a great song, man. I heard that's the first track I heard from you guys. Like, man, who are these guys? Like, that's a, um, that's a big sound, man. These guys are pretty, pretty awesome. So that caught my attention right away and i definitely got what you guys are going for and who you're paying playing a little homage to um doing the video for that song what did, i mean what, where did you guys go to the video who'd you work with on it it's got like this really kind of retro like neon lights and even your dress is a little retro on there so tell us a little bit about the video so andrew you know more about that than i do if you want to take off yeah so We've been working with two guys. Uh, I think they've been calling themselves Meta Modern Media. And they've, they've been doing a lot of like uh, videography for us lately. Like uh, whether it's just, you know, I, I make some kind of bullshit videos sometimes to try to make people laugh or they're just catching us on the road or doing music videos as well. Just some cool guys to work with. And uh, one of the guys, dads, owns like a bunch of those. Uh, I don't know what brand it is, but it's like those cash exchanges where they like people can take out loans and stuff. It was in the basement. We shot it in the basement of one of those. And uh, the two guys we've been working with ordered those lights out of the, the money we gave them. Really kind of made it look cool and dingy kind of rock and roll down there. We kind of all just got there and just decided to fake play the song about <laughs> 30 times, you know, <laughs> under these lights. <laughs> but it turned out cool. I mean, uh, we didn't really know what to do for a video. We all kind of tossed around so many ideas that we ended up just being like let's just shoot us playing the thing you know and and that was kind of like a cool way to make it uh, i don't know pass by it's it that one caught my attention too and that's really that video and that song is, is really how i found out about you guys and it it sucked me in right away so real well done on both uh the rest of the album though it's a nice mix of some kind of again some classic rocks and you got some blues stuff going on there um I mean, what were you guys going for? Is that the sound that you guys were going for? Did it just happen? You know, who's who's your chief songwriter? Uh, well, we all. John and Bryson did most of, like the initial writing. We all kind of write our own parts to it, but they kind of had an idea from the beginning of kind of what they wanted to go about. And uh, it's funny whenever I listen to it because like we all have so much influence that like there's not like a single. Like that, the first song, like uh, Jack Sax, like I definitely wanted to try to do something ACDC-like. So I just thought pumping the bass would be kind of that feel and coming in at the right time. But uh, other than that, like, you know, we all traveled through so many different influences. I mean, Bryson, especially on his guitar writing, and that was kind of everywhere on what he was listening to. <laughs> but uh, he had a lot of cool stuff. I think he, he drew from like the Black Crows a little bit too. Yeah. I think he said Kings of Leon to me so it definitely uh i mean what do you think bryson well i was just gonna say like like basically like all like the 
like the song bands, you know, it's like the Faces, the Rolling Stones, the Black Crows, Humble Pie, like a lot of that early ZZ Top stuff. And, you know, and then like, but basically like I thought like, you know, there's like, there's like enough bands trying to like, like rehash the Led Zeppelin thing or the Black Sabbath thing. And like, and I love like riff rock bands. Like I think that stuff is amazing, but I just thought like, I, it'd just be more fun to make like one of those like records where not necessarily everything is a riff. You know what I mean? Like where it's like more like, like song structured and like, you know, it's like you can have guitar solos and stuff, but like, it's, it's not a given that you must have a guitar. So like, for example, like Jack's Axe doesn't even have one and it's like every bit is rocking as a song. Oh so yeah, like, man. Sometimes you don't have to be like excessive in those ways, I guess. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, you know, you guys are a still pretty young band going on and, and to play kind of homage to those bands that you just spoke about. And then even for the sound you guys are playing is, is pretty incredible. And as Brian and I get around talking to more of your your peers that are out there, um, it's just it's just good to see, you know, young dudes out there playing some just good solid rock and roll with with influences from uh, some stuff that actually Brian and I were just, you know, young enough when those bands were out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Listen to it in our youth. Um, and I know Brian, I'll, I'll throw this over to Brian because Brian likes to ask the, the geographical relationship question. So, well, before that, like you guys did the, uh, you had the release party gig. So I got about three questions just having to do with that. Is it uh, playing at a place called the Burrow? Like, I'd like to hear about that. And then, um, you know, the opening, the release party itself. And then uh, you guys had Kiss Kiss Bang from from uh, Bowling Green, another band from that area. So just want to talk about, you know, that that release party and then the, the particular venue and then a little bit about Kiss Kiss Bang. It'd be cool. Okay. Uh, oh, so the Burl, that's a that's like the venue to play in Lexington. Um, it's a, we have the same, we have the same, like, their uh, their building birthday is the same as our band birthday, huh. so we started like at the exact same time, and um, and their like their business model is basically like they were musicians and started a music venue, and so, like it's just like the relationship between like artists and management there is just incredible. Like, and there's like you know there's like a ton of like I don't sure how familiar you are with the Lexington music scene or not, but like uh, like Abby Hamilton and Justin Wells, and like there's all a wealth of names I could go on and on, but those are two of my favorites, but like, you know, everyone hangs out there too. You know, it's like the Burl has like a little arcade bar. And so like, kind of like any given night you can go there and like, they'll just be like musicians hanging and drinking there and just like having a good time. So it's like the Burl is sort of home for like a ton of people and they've really like cultivated this, this like nice atmosphere. It's like very welcoming to musicians. And, um, as far as Kiss Kiss Bang goes, we met those guys. I don't remember exactly. We played Bowling Green with them a few times, and we done a Nashville big, a Nashville gig together, and then some other stuff. But they're like just super good dudes. I think uh, we met them maybe through the Josephines. Actually, I think I might have went to a Kiss Kiss Bang show and was hanging out with like Brad Tabor or Zachary, and then ended up meeting like Trevor and Andrew and those guys. But I think that's, I think we all met at Tidballs, if I'm not mistaken, which is like kind of like their, their equivalent to the Burl and Bowling Green. But so was that all, all this? So now you guys have another gig there. Is it tomorrow night? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, and with Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves, um, 
now Nick Perry, if I have this correct, he played in a band called Silver Tide. Yeah, I remember Silver Tide. Yeah, yeah. and he actually co-wrote a song with Charlie Starr in the new Blackberry Smoke record too. Really? Yeah. So That's I awesome. want to talk about Lexington before we get into the whole Kentucky area. Like from sure. when you guys got there till now, what is the music quote unquote scene there? What what's the genre? What's is it really steeped in this kind of like blues rock and, and blues in general? This kind of more you know organic Americana type thing. What's it like there? Uh, it, uh, kind of all of the above like so like i think we're probably like one of the like louder like bands in the area um but like you know like i was saying like you know abby hamilton she's a i hate to use the term singer songwriter because it's like everyone does that but just for the sake of you knowing what it is like uh she does that and like she has a band and it's kind of like americana and then like justin wells as you know he's kind of like of the same vein and like uh which he, he killed me for saying that because <laughs> he just always says like they're a little rock and roll band. But, uh, but so like there's that. And then you have like, um, like tail dragger, like that's like, you know, one of like, like the older bands from the area and they're like, like the blues rock band. Like those guys are, those guys are just absolutely killer. And then there was like punk bands back in the day, like the yellow belt. So there's like, like really like, there's just like kind of this melting pot of, you know, different genres and like, there's not really like one that's above the other. I think, uh, like, I think most people would associate us like right now with like say Tower Childers and Sergio Simpson. So like, I think, uh, a lot of people would like, maybe even in town would tell you that it's more of like a folk scene or something, but that's not my experience. I think like, I mean, you can see a packed out show of like multiple genres. Yeah, I've been in the Manchester Music Hall. I saw it as the Crows Fly a couple years ago, back when oh, Chris Robinson was doing nice. the Crow and Marcus King, oddly free, yeah. just killing it. That was a cool little. That's a cool little venue. Um, yeah. Have you guys played anything there? Yeah, we did a. Um, we actually have a show coming up uh, there in July with Jackal. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, I saw. I, I did see that on your website. Yeah, that, that'll be a good. I mean that. That's a cool. That's a cool little place. They got a great beer selection. It's very open to, to see a band perform. Uh, plenty of parking around there. I dug that place. I'd de- definitely go back. Yeah, there's. Yeah, there's. There's super nice staff too. I mean, like, there's. I mean, there's probably not a venue in Lexington that like isn't like staff and nice people. Like, uh, like I said, the borough's kind of home, but uh, but Manchester Music Hall is like also like, you know, super good people. And speaking of Jackal, like. I don't know we were talking about whether we should do like a leaf blower or a weed eater <laughs> solo. You know, it's a, I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know if we need to have like extra like two cycle oil or anything, you know, <laughs> sitting in the back. Just get one of those battery powered ones. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually we we were making that joke because um, we were talking about you know because like you know we're like the millennials. I was like, if we showed up with electric weed eaters. I'd be like, that, that's how they are. That's right. <laughs> you know, just. That's the the new, new age hippies. You guys are using all the renewable energy shit. So it would be expected. <laughs> so let's uh, talk more about Kentucky. Like, you know, from, I mean, even from, you know, like Southern Ohio and Cincinnati, you know, we talked to Noah Hunt as a singer from the Kenny Wayne Shepherd band. You know, we talked to Greg and we talked to a band out of Dayton, Ohio called uh, Cricket Bows. But what, what do you think that it, it makes it such such a fertile music scene and entertainment scene from there like the bands we mentioned the headhunters and Sturdle simpson and steve gorman and even in entertainment you know johnny depp and 
for those, you know, uh, Gonzo journalism fans, Hunter S. Thompson's from there. Like, what's your take on Kentucky and how and such a such so many bands clustered into this smaller area from South Ohio all the way down to you know South Central Kentucky. I think like Kentucky sits in like a like just where it at, where it's at geographically. Like like even if you go back like you know like to the Civil War, like they weren't with the South and they weren't with the North, and so you're kind of like you're kind of like shunned and welcomed by both in a way. You know what I mean? Like if we go like if we go like up past Kentucky, we're rednecks, and then if we like get to Georgia, you know we're Yankees. So it's like you're kind of like you're like a part of everything while also being a part of none of it at the same time. So I think like, like musically, you don't get locked down to any like particular influence when you're doing that, you know? Cause so it's like, you know, like I grew up in Pulaski County. So it's like, you know, you're like, sure. There's like, there is like that country influence. Like, you know, like I love Merle Haggard and George Jones and like all those old guys, but it was like nothing for me to take off a George Jones record. And then like immediately put on a kiss record, you know, it's like, I thought nothing of that. And I think that's, I think there's something sort of uniquely Kentucky about, about doing that, that like some people might find unique that like, we just don't understand, <laughs> you know, cause you're like, Oh, all of this is mine. And I think that like creates like a, like unique influences for, you know, it was like, like the Kentucky headhunters, for example, like in the nineties when they were doing like picking on Nashville, like, you know, that's a country record, but it's a rock record as well. And like, I think people like tend to, overlook the influence of what those guys were doing in that time period you know like i mean greg martin's a scary scary guitar player you know i mean that guy's like just absolutely incredible and but i think uh i think that's it i think like just where it's at geographically like sort of allows for you to like develop a personality and sort of like feel like an underdog all the time while also having a little bit of acceptance from people yeah that's what we've heard from others too pretty much cool the location yeah Andrew, what's your thought? I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, like, uh, full-heartedly. I don't think uh, I could have put that into words, but I definitely agree with that. So, I was kind of <laughs> – yeah, I mean, absolutely. I definitely feel like I've kind of gotten the best of both worlds, you know, without actually, like, fully going in. On like that. There seems to be two areas of the country right now, Brian, that we, we keep finding more and more bands from that we don't – you know that we're surprised by one has been new york city with the amount of rock and southern rock bands and blues bands we see which i you know i would never suspect new york city to be fertile ground for that using a term brian's term also now kentucky you know there's just a slew of good bands like you guys and we've got otis and we have the josephines and you know and with the classics like the headhunters of blackstone cherry it's just amazing to really see all this kind of good rock music coming out and um you know you guys starting to get a foothold out there and part of what we're trying to do and brian started this podcast is to get more bands like you guys out there and, and known and, and give you a little you know a little limelight because it's we're not you know you don't get to see stuff and listen to stuff on the radio anymore pretty much it's all kind of the same bands over and over mm -hmm. again also yeah, seems like, go ahead. I was just going to say, we appreciate that. Yeah. Cause like when clear channel made their like classic rock radio, that was it for pretty much everybody. Same 25 songs over and over again. For yeah. Sure. I mean, it's like, I, I swear the Eagles have more than take it easy and witchy woman, but I don't know. You know? Oh, well, they play hotel California. Everyone. Yeah. 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 I forgot. Yeah. There's that one as well. 
<laughs> uh, Brian, I got a quick question for these sure. guys. Being from a college town, um, you know, University of Kentucky being right there in Louisville, is there any influence that the, the kind of college scene plays on, on what's going on there? Or is that completely separate from all these rock bands and stuff in the area? Um, I mean, <laughs> kind of like the last answer, like a little bit of both. I mean, like, I think if you grow up in Kentucky and like you have to like you're going to like the 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 Wildcats, you know, what I mean, like even if you don't like even like basketball a little bit, like you're still sort of interested if they're going to win the NCAA championship or not. So I think like, I don't know, that's that's got to be in there somewhere because like there, there's definitely been shows where I've like been checking my phone to see like what the UK score is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. People in their in their twenties, late teens, and early twenties right now. I think that rock is the number one genre, really. From what you hear, it's more pop and probably R and B, hip hop. But again, a burgeoning just music scene for what's going on. And you guys are, are kicking it in, in uh, Lexington there. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely like a nice thing. Like there's like I mean, you know, obviously the two are like still very separate, like you know, sports and music. But the like the the counterculture thing is like really like popping off in Lexington, which is a little bit surprising considering it is such a basketball city but you know so i don't really know what to make of it fully but i'm a uk fan so i'm not gonna talk bad about them <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough so it's really cool to see also and, and i have to like uh, uh be careful how i word this because you know we got our friends and, and them dirty roses that are based in nashville and we had tyler bryant on the pad podcast in nashville but there's something about like I have so much like respect for all the bands that don't go running off to Nashville to try and be based from there or do their yeah. business there. I mean, because you know, I, I I'm just hearing about you know reading interviews with Rich Robinson and when I saw uh, the Sonic Highways episode, you know, Dave Grohl with the Foo Fighters when they were in Nashville and talking to Zach Brown, talking about he was like the antithesis to apparently which is a huge corporate music scene there as well mm -hmm. so it's, it's just cool to see you're making the statement that you don't have to go to nashville to, to yeah. do what you do yeah i mean the internet connects us and as far as like moving to nashville like none of us had hats so yeah we just <laughs> <laughs> hats well andrew's wearing a hat but it's a ball cap yeah. i don't think it's like well, it's... you know a cowboy hat <laughs> There's like that running joke, like if you live in Nashville for more than a month, you're going to buy a hat. Like, you know, go down there, everyone suddenly got a cowboy hat on. I think That's it's a, like but, Los Angeles as well. Like no one's actually from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you have to live in Nashville like what is like 15 years before you're allowed to say you're from there. And that's just anyway, I got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Plus like a tour, you know, a tour can start from anywhere. You know? Sure. Yeah, and there's a great place to play in Nashville. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, I'm real big on cost of living and stuff, so mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll drink cheaper coffee here. You know. <laughs> have you had Otis's coffee though? Man, I have not had Otis's coffee. It's really good. You can buy I, it on their website. It's good. I need to do that. You, I need it to is, do that. It's fantastic. As much, as much as I love Steve and drink coffee, I should definitely have some Otis coffee. As much as as much as he drinks coffee, I know that stuff is stout. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's got a little kick to it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so what what's on your guys's you know calendar as far as we're talking about how bands are up and touring again? Like when when does that when do you foresee that happen happening for you guys when you start getting out? more from lexington and to wherever 
I think we're playing it by ear. I think like, I mean, you know, last year, like, I feel like, I feel like we all learned to be patient a little bit more than maybe we were previously. And like, we were like, you know, hitting the road, like fairly hard, like last year. And so it's like, you know, like a lot of good shows, a lot of bad shows. And I think like, we kind of got our like mindset right now to where we're going to be like a little more patient and try and like make sure like we're putting on like good solid shows rather than just like showing up for night leaving though uh, just like kind of going through the motions so i think as of right now we're going to play less but better if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know like like make our routing a little more reasonable and i do all the booking so i'm responsible for all, all these right. like <laughs> bad shows i'm talking about <laughs> but uh but yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be it. So I'm thinking like, like August, you know, like, like we have like some stuff in Indiana, but like as far as like, like going out, out, that'll probably be more about August sort of see kind of how like all these, like everyone opening up finally, see how that goes and hopefully that stays. But Are you guys going to stay mostly in the Midwest and South or how, how, kind of how far out are you guys going to expect to get on, on tour? I think mostly the South and, uh, you know, like, like some places up North, but, you know, we're still building the regional like level at this point. So I think, uh, I think that's going to like serve us best as far as like, you know, our actual audience and like what's building according to all those online metrics we look at. Yeah. Whatever those really mean. All your boys up in the Georgia Thunderbolts, you guys would make a great pair with those guys. Sound yeah. Nice. Yeah, we've, I've been talking to TJ about trying to get a show together. So I don't know, like, when and where that'll take place. But, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to to playing with those guys. Because I've never actually seen the Thunderbolts live before. I, you know, like, talk to – and TJ's really the only one I've ever talked to. Okay. You know, yeah. um, I don't know any of the other cats in there. You'll have to get your leg kicks down to watch Riley. Riley likes to do a, big, a lot of, a lot of <laughs> leg, leg kicks. A lot of leg kicks. very energetic on stage. Uh, Andrew's the leg kick guy. And, and the, the bass guy does leg kicks in the talk box. You know, you guys are definitely breaking the mold here. Oh, he's, he's a wild man. Like, I, I just sit and play guitar. And Andrew's the one, like, running around being absolutely nuts. Someone pointed out to me that the best leg kick comes from Kentucky with Ben and Blackstone Charity. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. That's that's. My, you know, I've never would have associated leg kicks with him, but as soon as you said that, like I've seen them enough that I know, like you got to watch out for that thing. <laughs> Jason, is it? Are we close to that part of the show? Hey, man, you are the host. You let me know when it's my time. I think it's your time. It's my time. All right, guys. As we threatened earlier on, but I think before we started recording, we do a little thing at the end called the lightning round, where it's just just quick fun questions for you guys to answer so don't don't overthink anything it's just kind of the first thing that comes in your mind so all right and i will call you by name with my question so we're going to start with andrew first andrew what was the first band that you were in uh buck trap buck (laughs) trap uh and what age were you in buck trap 14 i think yeah 14 (laughs) were you playing bass yeah. Okay. How long did Buck Trap last? Uh, a couple years. It changed a little bit. Uh, I ended up singing at one point. It was just kind of a train wreck. <laughs> but uh, it lasted, I, I guess, about five years. Okay. I think. All right. That's pretty good, man. So all through your high school, pretty much, you Buck Trap yeah. was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, yeah. Bryson, same thing for you. What was the first band you were in? Oh, a band called Bad Timing, and I was 12. It was 12? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Play guitar. There's only two of us. Um, uh, White Stripes. <laughs> yeah, except for we play Kiss and ACDC songs. <laughs> two people. <laughs> we tried our best. <laughs> Yeah, we played a mean 20-minute version of Colin Dr. Love. Wow. Uh, that's <laughs> for the junior high talent show or the middle school talent show. <laughs> yeah. Our parents <laughs> love this. How long, how long did that band last? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, probably like six months before we like actually like started bringing people in. And sure, like sure. Little community of kids. Like, we had like a thousand bands. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so for you as a guitar player, we'll go to the next question for you. Gibson or Fender? Gibson. Okay. Uh, what's the best amp? Uh, Marshall. And like ones I can't afford, like those Plexis from the 70s. Hell yeah. Well, uh, get this thing back on the road. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> is that an iced tea less ball behind you? Is that was it, what color scheme is that? No, that's a, it's like the like cherry like kind of like oh the, the cherry okay i couldn't yeah, tell the standard one everybody yep. gets yep. yeah all right andrew you're an ovation bass guy right yeah what's your favorite brand bass of all time though are you a fender guy are you i mean uh, what do you got i'd probably pick a warwick warwick right nice but uh, i can't really afford that kind of thing <laughs> but maybe well, one day as shows get back open, you guys get back to touring again. You never know. What, what's your go-to amp then? Uh, I think Ampeg's the best, but I, again, I don't. I don't really own one of those either. I mean, I have the head, but maybe one day I'll get the cab for it too. See? Shoot for the stars, man. Ampeg is is a, definitely good stuff. My bass player in my band has an Ampeg amp. It's pretty nice. All right, back to you, Andrew. Next question: What is the first concert that you went to? Uh, Eric Clapton and Steve Winwood with my dad and my brother. Damn. Wow, where was that? Uh, it was in uh, it was in Indianapolis, and my dad picked that one because he uh, he saw that Buddy Guy was touring, and he thought that Buddy Guy might come out and play with them. But it turned out being the literally like the gig right after ours that we went to go see. But Is that uh, in the old RCA Dome downtown before now you yeah. have Lucas Oil Field. Yeah, I remember the RCA Dome. Uh, it was it was awesome. I, I mean, it was a great show. It was a really good one to start with. I never seen anything like it. Hell yeah! Kind of, yeah. And we already found out Bryson's first concert that you ever went to. You already said that earlier, and so one of my questions. So my question for you is: What's your favorite concert that you ever went to? Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Parliament Funkadelic, or probably My Morning Jacket. Nice. Well, those are three very different experiences there are three really cool shows too They're three really cool shows were they all at the same venue or are they different places no i saw spring scene at bonnaroo parliament funkadelic at bogarts in cincinnati and i saw my morning jacket like everywhere and being fellow kentuckians although from the dreaded city of louisville <laughs> yeah <laughs> dreaded yes bogarts gets another mention Oh, yeah. Bogarts is a very uh, typical, you know, mid-sized club for a lot of people to go through. It's, yeah. I've been there many, many 
many times, including my most recent experience a couple of years ago when the Magpie Salute came through town. There was probably That's awesome. all of maybe a hundred people there, and it's really, really? It was a great show. But it, I couldn't believe there was nobody there. That is insane, man. That's what I thought. I thought, I but it was like having your own private concert, though, which was pretty badass. Yes, that's pretty cool. If I had I known about it, I would have been there. I guess. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. See? Would have been 101 people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'd have been loud enough for probably 10, you know. <laughs> oh, they could hear us and we could hear Rich. I mean, Rich spoke a lot to the crowd and stuff like that. He was very thankful for the people that were there. And it was awesome. the first iteration of Magpie when they had like 100 people in the band. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. All right, back to you, Bryson. Next question. What is your favorite concert venue to see a show? Um, a festival. I think like most of the best concerts I've been to a lot. You said of, you went to Bonnaroo? Yeah, I'm like a like seven-year, eight-year veteran of Bonnaroo. And then I, yeah, I love festivals. What's, what's Bonnaroo actually like? I've seen pictures and stuff on TV. Um, it's... I mean, about what you'd expect it to be. I mean, it's kind of like, it's not like when everyone's like, oh, it's a new Woodstock or whatever. I'm like, no. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty much like 10 years ago, Bonnaroo was like a bunch of like counterculture kids and like, mm-hmm. like actual hippies. And then like, uh, I guess the best way to say it is like the crowd over the last 10 years just got a lot more attractive, <laughs> you know, so you a lot get like more the, celebrities and their hanger ons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of people that don't actually know the bands, but that's okay. You know, like it, it takes us all to make it. So yeah. <laughs> For there's sure. people that like the camping and there's people that don't, I'll say it that way. Yep. I know what you mean. Some people have their own air conditioned campers and power. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and, Andrew, what about you? What's your favorite concert venue? Uh, I mean, as lame as it's going to sound, it's probably, probably the Burl just because I know so many people there. And normally I get uh, fed quite a bit of free drinks. You know, if I go there, it's always a good bonus. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm more about just dancing and having, having fun with people. So any, any time I can get around and move around and, you know, just hang out with people and make stupid moments is kind of what I'm all about. Well, my follow-up question, you probably already answered that, but what is your favorite place to play in Lexington? Uh, the Burl. Just, yeah. They treat well so well. I mean, like Bryson was saying earlier, I mean, they just, they, they get it. You know what I mean? They just, they understand where you're coming from and like it kind of really shows. Uh, just, they'll treat you like kings, it feels like. So I'm in Lexington. I'm going to definitely check that place out for sure. Bryce, sure. uh, what about you? What's your favorite venue in, in Lexington to play a show? The Burl, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, if you, you, ever, you ever do come down that way, man, hit us up. Like, we'll come have a drink or do something yeah. that comes to the show. I will gladly buy you a drink or a cup of Boone's coffee. We'll be taken care of. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm a big whiskey and bourbon guy too, so I'm sure you can introduce me to some of the stuff from that area. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, well we'll mark that down i'll I'll let you guys know for sure i'll stay staying local what is your favorite restaurant in the in the lexington area andrew (laughs) (laughs) like uh if you like gumbo bourbon and toulouse is uh very good um i'm I'm pretty into that place it's it's cheap good food and uh the vibe there is very local uh there's also a place called blue door in lexington and it's probably the best barbecue you can find. Uh, like the the pit roaster that they have to like cook the pig in, it like constantly blows it through sauce. So it like 
never just marinate. It's just constantly putting more and more on it as it's marinating. It's pretty. Speaking my language there. Yeah, it's really good. Bryson's that same for you? Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with him on that. Andrew's kind of like the food connoisseur of the band, so. Well, being in that industry, he should know. Yeah, he should, yeah. All right, Andrew, back to you. Um, who inspired you to play bass? Do you have a certain bass player that you really love? Uh, yeah, I mean, as cliche as it's going to sound, I'm a, I'm a big John Paul Jones fan. Uh, but uh, everyone in that band is kind of a massive influence, so. I think yeah, he was the MVP of Led Zeppelin because he played so many different instruments, uh, you know, just crazy from the mandolin to the, the you know, the Hammond B3 bass. He composed a lot. He's ama- I mean, he amazing. A monster for sure. Uh, I really still like to this day, love his like uh, his take on the bass to stand out, but not overtake, you know. Bryson, what about you for guitar players? Who, who's kind of who's kind of one of your influences, or who you really dig? Uh, uh, first guy I was like ever like super attracted to, and the kind of the reason I got to playing guitar was Ace Frehley from Kiss. And then like a few years later, uh, like one of my dad's friends gave me a blues CD that like had a bunch of John Lee Hooker songs on it, and that I've so those two in particular are like the guys for me. Uh, two good pieces, to, you know, two good uh, uh, people to, to choose for sure. And hence, and also going back to your first band with your, um, your, you know, 20 minute kiss. <laughs> yeah. Do her best, man. <laughs> All right. Um, this is an important question for you guys from Kentucky right now. So don't blow it. And I'm going to start with you, Bryce. And I already know the answer because you said it earlier, but I'm going to stick it to you anyways. Okay. Wildcats or Cardinals? Oh, 100% Wildcats all the time you know car i will say this though like if if it's if it's tournament time like even though it's like i'm an sec guy you know it's like once the cats are out like you go forever's like in the sec that's still playing but i will go for the cards being from kentucky over at sec team once the cats are out and like regardless of the trouble he got into i like patino so support your say well he was in kentucky you know first yeah, he was great before yeah, he went to louisville and yeah, Toby Smith won with Rick Pitino's team. And uh, speaking of which, on Google, I just seen the Brewers. Uh, they're up two to one on our. They're up two to one right now. So there's, <laughs> it's only the fifth inning. There's plenty of time. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get her down. Did we lose Andrew? I think we might have. Yeah. See if he's in the waiting room again, Brian. <laughs> I don't see him. <laughs> I bet his computer died. I think he was on his phone, wasn't he? Or is he on his computer? I think he was on his computer. I think he has like an older Mac. Okay. Well, we will continue with you now. And so you get the spotlight until Andrew logs back on. So you get all the heat. All right. Uh, what do you think's the best song you've ever written? Is? Best song we've ever written is I think a new dawn, the last track on hymns. I think that was the best like way it came together because it doesn't have a course. And I loved that. Like I, I wanted to very much, write a song without a chorus and then there was also there's like a really like psychedelic like middle section and like i remember like the like the beatles did that like on a day in the life like a few other things and i was mm-hmm. like always curious i was like could you do that with just like four instruments or is that like a lot of stuff going on so we kind of like you know tried to recreate that with like just using instruments like no synthesizers or anything crazy like just do that so so i'm, I'm really proud of like that one from start to finish that i think that would be the best one we've done Right on. So everybody listen, go check that song out on their new album. Okay. What about a guitar solo 
or riff or song that you wish you you would have written? A uh, song I wish I'd written was uh, Racing in the Streets by Bruce Springsteen. That's, I think that's the best lyrics ever written of all time. And then, so You're a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Obviously. Love Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah. Get a, get a lot of hell from Sean about that. He's, he's not a Springsteen guy, but I, I think Springsteen's the best. And, he's a guy you either love or hate. He's kind of like Billy Joel. It's like you're either a fan or not a fan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. And a guitar. A guitar yeah, go ahead. Uh, probably uh, – I'm probably anything Jimmy Page did was Zeppelin. I mean, just any, any of them. Like, I'm, I won't even be picky with which one I wish I wrote. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Zeppelin and Page guy myself. I'm with you. Have you have you done anything in um, alternate tunings, any open tunings or anything else kind of based on Page or even even Rich Robinson from the Black Crows? Um, more Rich Robinson and like Keith Richards with my open tunings. Like I use like, you know, just to say like open G. and open Yeah, G. open G. Yep do that stuff open g is pretty easy to figure out and you know it's a lot of shapes but you've still got the three middle strings where sander tuning can sort of feel your way through a couple stuff on yeah you, you know you, it's it's a little forgivable i was like yeah I, it's a little forgivable and has a nice kind of droning ring to it i played stuff in open e a little bit but you know try to do like almond brother fan or something which i'm not nearly skilled yeah. enough to do and i just i like open g better yeah, it's just it's just fun. Well, like I always like say, like open G, you know, that's like it's like something you can have a few beers and still like get through. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if I you mean, put throw a capo on it, you can even do even more stuff with less exactly. like, less ability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm all about the. That's oh, my, my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, if you could play with one band or artist for one night, who would it be? The Stones. Right on. Is or there the a particular or, or the Almond Brothers band? Ooh, okay. Is there a particular song that you would choose from either of them that would be like the one song you definitely have to play? Oh, no. But I'll say I would play rhythm in both shows. I wouldn't want to do any solos because I just feel like like being around pay. Or, Even Dicky gave you that that look or something and gave you the eye. I am pro- oh, I'm sort of like you know the ego of being a guitar player maybe but like yeah it's definitely time for me to say something but I would I would hope that I would like just like hang back enough and just like let them all do the thing but and plus like playing rhythm on stone stuff would just be like much preferable you know those are just fun songs to play through a little bit easier and less intimidating all the stuff you, that goes on in an Almond Brothers song yeah I mean yeah Almonds would just be trying to hold I actually probably would be better off playing lead in all brother songs so i didn't have to know where the heck i was at <laughs> yeah. uh well that you i think you struck a fancy with brian brian is a big rolling stones fan for sure as you can tell from the poster on us all back all right so my next question we're going to stay with the two guys you just um spoke to but uh rolling stones or almond brothers uh the stones stones or led zeppelin the stones Wow, that's uh, impressive. And I like uh, 10 so years I, ago, Zeppelin. Now the Stones. Okay. So that's that's a, as you matured, you've sort of gathered onto the Stones a little bit yeah. more. Mm-hmm. I think you're playing, I mean, your style is a little bit more Zeppelin y, I would say, or that more so than the Stones. But uh, I mean, I could definitely pick that stuff up in your chops. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jimmy Page is, you know, one of those. You know, like I was telling you, it was like it was Fraley first and then John Lee Hooker. But, you know, like if there was a trinity of that page was a guy that I paid a lot of attention to. 
Paige has done so many different like eclectic things with his playing from his acoustic work to his straight up hard blues to this, you know, the more experimental stuff in the later Zeppelin albums. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a crazy dude. Um, give us a guilty pleasure artist or song for you. Oh, uh, guilty pleasure. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if I can call it a guilty pleasure, but uh, I'm super in Harry Styles. I think like uh, there's like two out like you know the guy that was in One Direction. Oh like, yeah, oh yeah. I have a like, I have a sixteen I have a sixteen year old daughter. Okay. <laughs> she yeah, just I'm, turned I'm, sixteen. I, I and, love um, There's still a balloon from oh, okay. her stuff in Harry Styles. Yeah. It's underneath my desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so that would be my guilty pleasure. But like Mitch Rowland is a guitar player that's on that album. And I think Mitch does great work. So um, I know it goes in the category of guilty pleasure, but I'll, I'll stand up for it. I think that's fair. But, you know, guilty pleasures are things that we enjoy that a lot of people wouldn't expect from us, right? And that's, that's yeah, a great yeah. choice for you, man. I'll have yeah. to tell my daughter, I'm like, I just spoke to this badass, you know, guitar player from a <laughs> Kentucky band. He likes Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let her know. <laughs> We're out there. All right, my last question. It's a little bit more longer form. You can you can um, ex, you know, expand on a little bit more, but give us a good performance or tour, or tour story, like something good or bad, just an interesting story of something that happened to you when you've been out and about playing. Oh gosh, um, let's see here. I think. Well, I don't know exactly how interesting it is, but when we went to Macon, Georgia, the first time we ever played there, I was like a like super hell bent on like it's like everyone wants to go to the Allman Brothers Museum. Right. Like, yeah, go to the big house. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I wanted to do that, but like I also knew that's where Little Richard's from. So I was like, that's like I think maybe the greatest rock and roll singer of all time or performer, like just I mean many categories, just like Little Richard's the answer to so many of those questions. So um like all the other guys have like went out to kind of like, you know, like do like go do like the after party things and i was like no i'm i'm going to little richard's like i'm waking up early like that's going i'm going to like his house and all that and uh you know sean was telling me he was going to be back like you know a particular time and i was like i'm going to little richard's i don't care like what it is and i think uh sean found me like in the road like walking all pissy at like like whatever time in the morning is like he like kind of like i was just like i remember walking and knowing like the interstate that I was walking beside, like, you know, no, this was a good idea for me to be doing that. And then all of a sudden I seen like a trailer come like out of nowhere. And it was like, Sean, and we ended up going to little Richard's house, which, which everyone told us is in a super like bad part of town, but I didn't get that at all. So, but his, uh, his house is a, uh, it's like a, like a community center now. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being like, not just like a generic museum or anything. It's like, we went in and we got to talk about like the community of Macon and like a little Richard of like, kind of like some of the charity stuff he had done. So that was a, that was just a really interesting thing to be a part of. And it was kind of like a, I don't know, just, you know, obviously like if you're into rock and roll at all, like you, yeah. you have to love little Richard. So. Well, he's like with the Godfather, one of the Godfathers of rock and roll. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have what we have now. Yeah, I mean, it's and like I love Elvis, but I mean, like Little Richard's the true king, you know. Like, no, no hate on Elvis or any of that, but like Little Richard is more rock, you know, more rock Definitely. than yeah. Elvis was, especially bringing in the piano playing element of, of that style too. Is you know, influenced a ton of different people. So, man, I didn't realize he was from there, nor did they have that house. Next time I ever I get through making, I will definitely try to look that up. That would be cool. He's a, 
Well, he's also so Otis. I don't know if you know this or not, but Otis Redding is from Macon, and so mm-hmm. James Brown. So yep. it's like there's like this, that's like that might be the maybe a the good spot. You got some, you know, the, the home base from the Almond Brothers were there, even though a lot of those guys were from Florida, but that's where they kind of, yeah. you know, all lived and and recorded stuff. That's a hell of a place, man. Yeah, you got to play well and make, and there's just like no excuses. To it's almost play. as good as Kentucky with, with that type of talent that's coming out of there. <laughs> <laughs> My last question is a quick one, though. Um, is that sure. a Thin Lizzy poster behind you? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So I thought. So yeah. a Thin Lizzy fan, I'm assuming. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Love you got Lizzie. a favorite song by those guys? Uh, probably Cowboy Song. I don't know. It's okay. probably like one of the ones that, like, most people would say. But, yeah, that or Renegades. I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. like, like, kind of, I guess, like, in the, like, keyboard era of Thin Lizzy. But I always thought that was a really, really great song, too. Nice. Well, you're definitely inspired some, some really pretty badass classic rock bands. So, like I said earlier, it is really good to see uh, young bands out there and playing the type of music that you are inspired by the people that that you're doing. Ryan, and I love to meet you guys, talk to you, promote the music, get the stuff out there and just kind of enjoy what you're doing. So in that vein, where do people go to find out more about the band, about listen to your music, buy merch, find out where you're on tour? Where, where should we send them? Okay, uh, any social media is all at Mojo Thunder Official. Uh, if anybody wants to actually reach out to us, we're incredibly uh, accessible. So just like, you know, like Instagram, Facebook, whatever, message us. Our email is mojothunderofficial at gmail.com if anyone wants to get hold of us there. And then as far as merchandise, there's links on all those social media sites. Uh, you know, after you go like, subscribe, share, and all that stuff, then you can like find the merch from there. Nice. Side. And you do have a nice website. So I was on that earlier taking a look. We know Brian just bought some stuff right as we were chatting earlier on. So I will be on there doing that as well. So Thank uh, you. yeah, man. Thanks for being on here, Brian. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bryson Willoughby, Andrew Brockman. Who was Even though we lost Andrew. For most yeah, thank you, Andrew. He may be. <laughs> Guitar player, bass player from Mojo Thunder out of Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, the new record is Hymns from the Electric Church. Streaming on all major platforms, Amazon, Apple Music, and Spotify. Spin it so you guys get paid. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on. It means a lot to us, you know, especially when we're making the rounds in Kentucky here. And so if you wouldn't mind uh, hanging out and chatting with us for a couple of minutes when we get done rolling here, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah, all right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you all. Thank you for Bryson Willoughby and Andrew Brockman for joining us. Andrew was there for most of the show and we lost him uh, about three quarters. Of the connect- we lost his connection. We didn't yeah, lose him. We didn't, right, right, right. <laughs> um, so happy to keep doing this, uh, you know, traveling through Kentucky and talking to all these guys and uh, talking to those guys from Mojo Thunder just, you know, added to, you know, the wonderful, great things that we've heard about Kentucky. Another great rock band out of Kentucky, and there's a plethora of bands. I mean, we still have, you know, we still got to get the Josephines on and a couple other bands. And then, uh, you know, a common band that we keep hearing is Tail Dragger, which I still need to check out. And Greg Martin mentioned those. I think, um, who else? Maybe Boone from Otis. Obviously, Mm -hmm. these guys from Mojo Thunder. Um, So, you know, I mean, it's just everywhere you turn, there is another band out of Mm -hmm. Kentucky for us to check out. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked about my morning jacket, talked about Kiss Kiss Bang, also from Kentucky. 
And he said a couple names of some singer-songwriters, too, that we need to check out. That, that do some shows with him at the Borough in the Lexington area, which, Brian, next time I'm in Lexington, I still have friends there. I'm absolutely going to go to the Borough and see what's going on. And uh, Maybe check Mojo Thunder out. Maybe we'll right. be playing. You know, and Bryson in Macon, Georgia, he can either go to the Big House, but he goes to Little Richard's house. Which is also a community center, which right, is cool. Right. And I had no idea. So that is another rock and roll landmark on my list that I got to hit. What's a, what's something kind of key you took away from the interview with those guys? Well, well, that there, and plus how we mentioned about, uh, you know, Little Richard and James Brown and Otis Redding all being from Macon. It's pretty incredible. And I just see him talking about the Burl, man. That place sounds cool. Especially if they have uh, arcade games, because I'm, as a child of the 80s, definitely into that. For sure, yeah, for sure. And checking out some of the food places. Um, You know, I dig those guys. I really like that album they have out now, the uh, Hymns from Electric Church. It is heavy rock, southern rock influence, heavy heavy blues. Like, uh, man, when I first heard um the first song off that album I was like holy shit that's got definitely an acdc rip to it and that's mm-hmm. the first thing that drew me in so yeah, totally if you guys cool. like hard southern blues rock star style music yeah, check it yeah. out kind of semi-close to to southern governor yeah yeah definitely southern governor has a bit more of i think 90s alternative rock leanings and he- heavy southern rock and these guys have traditional classic rock with southern rock mm-hmm. as i want yeah. to say but both bands are heavy and i would check the, those both those dudes out anytime i could for sure for sure indeed yeah so what can we say this is more goodness from kentucky and you know we're going to get some more of that for everybody so until then we'll have a hell of a Kentucky. well i'm going to interrupt you sorry we're sure. going to have a hell of a kentucky round table at some point for sure, like 50 yeah, people too, on it until then, I'll say again, always remember Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We will see you next time.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.